0: So today, I feel like the assignment that I have is to empower each of you, each of us in this family, to be completely given to a lifestyle of praise and worship, not just to incorporate praise and worship into our daily life, but to give ourselves to a lifestyle where we become praise and we become worship. That's my goal, little goal. (laughs) Um, And... I'm incorporating this into the series that we're in right now, because if you've been here for the last few weeks, you know we're in a faith lifestyle series. And so I'm hoping this will be very practical. I'm not looking to impress you. I'm not looking to make you think like, oh, I know all this new information. What I'm looking to do is help partner with Holy Spirit to set you free from things that are lies. So let's get started. I'm going to start with a secular book, because it's risque. Um, This book is called, This is Your Brain on Music. It's written by a man named Daniel Le- Levitin, or Levidin. He doesn't know me, I don't know him, so he won't, he won't care. Um, but I want to read this to you because he agrees with Jesus and he's not a Christian. It's always fun, right? Here's what he said about singing. Throughout most of the world and for most of human history, music making was as natural as an activity as breathing and walking. And everyone... How many ones? Thank you. Everyone participated. Concert halls dedicated to the performance of music arose only in the last several centuries. This writer went to Africa. He's he's a pretty typical quiet introverted, um, bland male, like you know just kind of like to himself. And but he loves music, and his goal was to find out how he could teach the average human being who doesn't study music, they're not getting a degree, they're not calling themselves a musician, how to comprehend the beauty of music. He's a cool guy. It's a great book. I would definitely highly recommend it. Um, So he goes to Africa. He meets this tribe. And the tribe accepts him. They fall in love with him. And then they say to him at one of their dinners, they say, sing with us! And he goes, but I don't sing. And everything stops. And they look at him they're like, but you talk you talk don't you talk and he's like but i don't and there was a breakdown because in that culture and throughout the majority of our history on planet earth singing belonged to the community it was not about performance it was about connection it wasn't about impressing each other it was about being with each other and so the the people in this culture it's like when they go down, down the lane. They sing. They have a singing song for when they walk this way. They have a dinner song. They have a song about going to school. They have a song about their ancestors and their family. They got a song about birthdays. That's probably the only thing we also have, right? It's the only time everybody actually sings. And the reason God put this on my heart to share is that um, oh, this is fun too. I didn't say this first service. Ha ha! It's a little extra bonus. Um, there is no distinction distinction there is no distinction in this culture by the way between singing and bodily movement so their concept of singing is of course you're going to move your body and that's the majority of our of our history throughout humanity cuz singing makes you want to move and that's just what people in general our historians and our scholars think wouldn't it be interesting if the enemy of our souls tried to take away one of the most powerful gifts that god has given us and train us to think That the professionals are the ones that sing we're just here to watch them and to be entertained and to turn what was an act of community and an act of worship into an act of performance that's satan's biggest gift he turned his role helping people sorry not people but helping the heavenly angelic presence worship god he was there lucifer in heaven he saw god He was literally, some translations reveal that it's like he was a mirror. Just the praise would come through him, and the Lord would receive it. But there came a point where it stopped being about communing with the Lord, and it became about, look at how talented I am. Look at how gifted I am. So he's come to steal, kill, and destroy, and he wants to destroy our worship and our praise because the enemy knows better than usually we do that if we figure out what praise and worship actually are meant to be in our lives, the enemy won't be able to stomp all over us anymore because he's defeated. The only power he has over you is what you've given to him. Here's the evidence, the Bible says, Jesus declared all authority in heaven and on earth and below the earth has been given to me. And so then he washed his disciples' feet and told them to do the same thing. When Jesus died on the cross, he took all authority from the devil and he gave it to us. Amen? I feel like we should thank him for that. Can we thank him for that? Thank you, God. It's true. But why do we live in addictions? And why do we live in depression? And why do we live in these different issues? And these things are complicated. I'm not trying to say that all these issues are just a blanket statement that we can figure out in 25 minutes or something. But I think that what the enemy does is he uses systems of belief in cultures broadly to control people. I'm going to keep going. So what does God want to do? Enough about him. I'm done talking about the devil. Um, the Lord wants to teach us why we're called to praise and to worship. Worship is not a style and a genre. One of the first steps we take is we step out of our, our cultural training. There is, this is a family room, by the way. We talked about that. It's a safe place. We're a community. And communities have value systems. Even if you don't speak about it, usually you don't talk about it. There's just unspoken norms. And if you've been at, t- at Granite Creek for any amount of time, you know one of our unspoken norms are that we're tender towards each other. Amen? I don't even have to ask. You guys know that. There's tenderness in this church. We have a high value for helping people who have been trampled on. We have a high value through kid care, practically, for feeding the homeless, the broken. We reach out to people outside of our own sphere, You know, into places like other countries, and we're trying to show that value in our community. We tend to have more introverts than extroverts. If you look at the percentage, I'd probably say we're about 75% introvert at this point. And it's good. But there are different things that we bring to the table. And introverts tend to lean towards inward, honest expression. But sometimes that inward, honest expression never gets out and it stays in. And so I want to see what the Lord has for us in that. My goal is not to change who we are, but my goal is to encourage us to add to who we are. That we have values that we carry so well right now. And if we lean into this, and you hear it not just from me, but you ask the Lord right now, speak to me God. Use John, but you speak to me. That maybe he could change the way we see who we are. So here we go. Songs are not worship. Songs are an invitation, but they're not worship. You can stand here, you can sing, what a beautiful name it is, and you don't even know that's Jesus yet. You're just singing the song because it's a cool song, it has a great melody. Say you come for the first time and you see all these people standing in a room and they're singing a song. What are you probably going to do? You're probably going to feel like, I guess that's what people do right now. Kind of like when people are on the subway and they're all standing, you're like, I guess I should stand too. You know what I mean? Or you don't talk in elevators usually. Same way people come into church, they see all these people facing one direction, they're like, I probably shouldn't face the opposite direction, I should face that way. What a beautiful name. Songs are not worship. But worship, or let me say it this way, songs are an invitation to worship. They're one way that we can praise and worship, because it's impossible to praise without opening your mouth. Praise is an outward manifestation of what you've decided on the inside. Again, praise is the inside getting out, but if the inside never gets out, we're not praising, because praise is not about just you. Praise is about boasting in who He is, where people can notice it. So right now, what I want to do is take you through a story about a guy you already know who's very small and very powerful. It's not Josh or I. Just kidding. Um, and he, uh, and uh, he, love you. You're sitting in the front. Oh, thanks. Um. Oh. Um, and sorry, off track. Um, and I want to talk to you about the word praise. And thankfully, I will not keep you here for. I got like seven sermons in me, so I'm only gonna do one. But I promise I will not keep you long. But also stick with me because we're gonna have a time of response today. It's gonna be really sweet. And G- last service was unreal. It felt like heaven on earth. Um, so David. David's in the Bible. If you've never met David, say you have come for the first time. You've never been introduced to Jesus. David knew who God was. David was a worshiper and a praiser. And the reason that David um, became a king of Israel is because he was called a man after God's own heart. He got it. He got the heart of God. He didn't just know the rules of God. He knew the ways of God. Does that make sense? Sometimes we can find out the rules about something but have no idea about the heart behind the rules. We can learn how to play the game but never feel the affection of why we're even in the room. And David had the discernment to know this is why I worship. This is why I praise, because God is almighty. He made the heavens and the earth. In the Psalms, he talks about it, like, as the waters cover the sea, you know, the whole of the earth will declare God's glory. It's so beautiful the way that David wrote these songs about the Lord, these different moments of intimacy with God. And praise, at its core, really is a revelation. It's a vision of reality. You will praise what you think is biggest in your life. We can praise worry. We can praise anxiety. Because praising is making something big. It's lifting something up. It's being aware of that thing and boasting in that thing. That's a big part of praise. And so I feel like we waste too much time boasting about our commute, (laughs) boasting about our struggles financially, boasting about our drama and all the things that annoy us, and not enough time boasting about the king who rescued us from hell and gave us eternal life and seated us with him, yeah? (laughs) I know it's a lot, but it's real. We have to believe it's real. I've seen him take people out of wheelchairs and make them walk again. Many of you have. I've seen him restore broken marriages. I've seen him do things that my doctors can't do and my friends can't do, but my God can do. And David's there in the field and he's with the Lord and a bear comes up and David's like five foot one, right? He was tiny and he was also like 11 or something at that time probably. And he's just in that field, he's got his little slingshot, he's the youngest. And all his brothers don't want to do the job he's doing. You ever been there before? He's at 7-Eleven. He's working there. And he's just like, no, I'm just kidding. 7-Eleven's great. But um, imagine yourself in a job you don't want to be at. And you're just sitting there. And the bear comes up to him. And it wasn't that David got all this courage in himself and said, I know how to kill the bear. I will be big and strong and brave. And I will put my hands up. And I will express myself. And I will sing what a beautiful name. Right? He remembered who God is and he praised god and as he praised god reality came into alignment take it a step further he kills the bear he kills the lion and he gets to goliath and all of israel is scared of goliath and and for very good reason because goliath was a scary guy he's the tallest he's the strongest in our world he's fear in our world he's anxiety in our world he's greed he's addiction He's depression. And he stands in front of David and he looks him in the eye and he says, I'm going to feed you to whatever he said. You know, I'm going to feed you to the birds of the air. And basically, the enemy has no problem boasting in who he is. Like, he'll do it all day. He'll tell you all day long how big he is. And the truth is, he has power. And it's not about removing the reality of what he is able to do, but it's about remembering who your god is because there is no comparison period like no comparison think about this god created every cell in goliath's body every part of his dna god knit together in his mother's womb and knew him from the beginning god was probably reaching out to goliath trying to save him and goliath rejected the lord probably because the lord would have that none would perish and then in the midst of that goliath comes against god's people In a moment, God, I mean, he flooded the earth and then restarted it. Don't you think he could just be like Elias, like, I will feed you to, and then he's just evaporated? But the reason God didn't do that, I believe, is because he wanted to teach us a lesson about authority, because he could have just fixed everything, but instead, he wanted to raise up a generation and generations of sons and daughters who would be Jesus's on the earth. If you came to the sermon last week, it was really good. It was awesome, and I got rocked by it. And you spoke about how we are meant to be Christians. What a revolutionary thought. That Christians mean little Christs. And that wherever we go, we carry all of heaven because he took the keys of hell. It's real. And he died with a purpose, and he gave us authority over the evil one. And now he's like, what's better than one of me? How about a few billion of me? What's better than one with me? I'll start with 12 disciples, and then they'll multiply to 144, And then we'll get a few thousand, then we'll get 10,000. You with me? And here we are today at Granite Creek Community Church in 2018 because of Jesus. So David is standing there before Goliath, and he remembers, oh yeah, the same God that helped me conquer the little things, which weren't that little, the lion, the bear. He's still the same God. It doesn't matter how big the Goliath looks. He's still Lord of Lords. He's still King of Kings. And I come against any demonic stronghold, not in my own power, but I come against it praising His name. Now stay with me right now. Do you guys know um, what it means to say, like in that song, What a Beautiful Name, where it says, What a beautiful name is the name of Jesus. Or when you're praying at lunchtime or dinner before your food and you say, In Jesus' name... Do you know what that means? Because I didn't know for most of my life, and I have great parents, but I just never asked. You don't have to raise your hand to say you don't. But in Jesus' name is actually extremely powerful. And it's not just like a thing you do like, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, to sound holy. It's like, let me put a little cherry on top of this prayer. In Jesus' name. (laughs) Oh, amen. And someone else is like, amen, amen, and now we're really holy, right? The reality is that the Lord, words matter to God. What we speak matters. Okay. So, in Jesus' name means, roll with me back to ancient, the old times where there were lairds and kings and queens, although Europe is still kind of there, um, to the time where you and I would have lived under a Lord's leadership. We'd have a little plot of land in our little family, and we would have to submit to the authority of the Lord of that land. And if we paid our taxes to that Lord, He swore to us that he would protect us, that he would take care of us, we would never go hungry, we would never be under famine or attack, that he would treat us as if we were part of his family, essentially, at least a good one would. And what Jesus is saying when he tells us, ask in my name, is he's saying, I have adopted you into my family And if you choose to let me be the Lord of your life, not just your Savior, not just you got me out of hell, but you choose to let me be your Lord for you surrender your life to me, the benefits that we get are way better because everything that is the Lord's is ours. So say, this is my friend Tommy, say Tommy was my Lord back in the Dizzle. and And I'm like, I gotta go represent him somewhere. So I go over to this land far, far away and I say, I have come in the name of Tommy. Oh, sorry, forgive me. I messed it up. I have come in the name of John. And you're like, who's John? And I'm like, it's me. I'm John. What can you do? Well, I, I play the guitar. I have, I have a, a few skill sets. I have a little bit of money. I have a nice apartment. That Lord would not care about my authority because I'm just a little serf. But if I tell them I come in the name of Tommy and say Tommy has 1,000 horsemen and he has 3,000, you know, archers, they're like, oh, my gosh, yes, sir, what can we do for you? What can we take care of? And we go through our lives sometimes like we're living for God in our own name. And we walk around defeated when the enemy has been defeated. And all we have to do is just say, in Jesus' name, I declare this will be. Just like the disciples walked and they said, gold I don't have, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. That's who we are. That's who we actually are. And so we come in Jesus' name, and amen means let it be. It means establish it right now. So for every time that you pray from now on and you, and you say, in Jesus' name, amen, you are praising God, because you're magnifying who he is, reminding the enemy and every, everyone else around you, I don't live in my own name, because I can't do much for myself, but greater is he that is in me, Yeah. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You're a conqueror, even if you're an introvert, and you're quiet. That's actually, you're a conquering, introvert, quiet person. And you're wonderful, and you're powerful, and the Lord wants to use you. We're going to keep going. Okay. Whew. So David killed Goliath, spoiler alert, and, um, and he, uh, he showed us how to do it. So every Goliath that you face, you just tell Goliath, put it back in his face. He tries to come and tell you, you're gonna be so anxious, you're gonna be so full of fear, you're gonna be so whatever. Just go back to him and say, devil, you are so anxious. You are so defeated. Like Pastor said last week, boast in God and make fun of the devil. And then get out of there. He doesn't deserve your attention. When he tries to tell you, you'll never get free, you tell him, actually, Satan, you're the only one who's been rejected. I'm free. Okay. Praise. I want to talk to you guys about the seven different Hebrew words for praise, and we're going to practice it right now. This is what Joshua's kind of warning you about. This is where it gets out of the normal preachy thing, and it gets into more of a collaborative effort. So can you guys trust me? Is that okay? We're going to go in right now together. Okay. In the Hebrew, there are seven words for praise, and they're awesome. And I want to talk about the value of each of these words because God doesn't just say, add praise to your life like you're making a nice meal. Add some salt and pepper when it feels like it needs a little more freshening up. No, praise is the foundation of how we destroy the enemy. Amen? I know it sounds very religious sometimes to say that, but it's true. God, is, God has seated himself on our praise. When we praise, he kicks the devil's butt. And so here's the first word. And forgive me, all you scholars out there, help me say it the right way. I have it spelled the right way, but I I can't promise I'm going to say it the right way. Halal. Can you say halal? Kind of sounds like hello, but halal. Halal is short for the word hallelujah. And it's the plural of it because God is not one person. He's three persons in one. So when we say hallelujah, another word that kind of gets thrown around by Jeff Buckley and other friends. Um, what we're really saying is, praise the Lord. And really, in Revelation, where they said hallelujah, it was the only word appropriate to describe how glorious God is. So when we say hallelujah, we're basically just saying the most passionate way we can, praise Him. Praise the three in one. Now, what is halal? There's verses that say, halal the Lord. Halal, you servants of the Lord. Halal, the name of the Lord. Halal the Lord. There's a lot of, that in the Psalms. Halal God in his sanctuary. Halal him in his mighty expanse. Let them praise his name, halal his name, in the dance. Uh-oh. Let them sing praises with the timbrel and the harp. And halal means to be clear, to praise, to shine. If you look at the New Testament, Paul talks about shining, by the way. He says we're meant to shine. It's not evil. To boast. Show, to rave, to celebrate, and this is the most ridiculous one, to be clamorously foolish. It sounds like it's wrong, right? It sounds like, are you sure? It's like you're that kid in class where you're used to being quiet and all of a sudden the teacher says, good morning class, please stand to your feet and be clamorously foolish for 15 minutes. But it's all about context. God has created us to be the ones who have this this weapon in our tool belt. The enemy loves to boast, he loves to yell at us, he loves to discourage us. The world loves to yell, really loud. And we get trapped sometimes because we think that meekness means quietness. And there's a time to be quiet, but there is a time to not be quiet, amen? There's a time for both. And praise is not about being quiet. (laughs) Praise is when you are in that point where the Goliath has walked up to your doorstep and he's telling you who he is. And it's not enough just to sing, what a beautiful name, but you gotta yell it at him. And you remind him who he is, because he is scared of him. It doesn't go the other way. And when we begin to hallel, and we actually praise, even if we're quiet people, and we access the personality of Jesus, and we step into his person, and we let him through the Holy Spirit, shout through us. It breaks depression. Some of you in this room, I can look at you right now, and we've talked about how through praise, God's broken depression in this room in your life. It's real. When the enemy roars, you get louder, and the Lord silences the enemy through your praise. So we're going to try it right now. Okay, on the count of three, on the count of three, all of you introverts, just trust me. Go with me. See what the Lord does. We're going to tap into the principles of heaven. So some of you, you're like, I want to do this all day long. Some of you, you're like, I never want to do this ever. Oh, my gosh. That's how God designed us, because we're a body. But everybody, when we do it together, it moves mountains because we're unified. So we're going to hallel the name of God. Pretend that your Goliath is standing in front of you right now, and you're going to tell him who God is. Are you ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. Yeah! You have no authority over my king. You have no dominion in this house. This house belongs to the king. And that's how we saw depression break off of one of my brothers when he was going through suicidal thoughts. Because we gathered around him as a family and we hallowed the Lord. And we, got, and we boasted. We boasted. It's biblical. You've got to boast in something. If you don't boast in God, the enemy's going to get you to boast in yourself. But don't boast in your name. Don't boast in my name. Boast in the Lord's name. And see the Lord do wonders in your life. Yeah. When we we do church together, yeah, amen. Let's praise the Lord. Come on. Bless you, Lord. Yeah. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. We want to release you into that here at this church. We're not here on a platform leading worship so that you can be entertained or that you can watch or perform with us. The goal is not to get everyone in assimilation. We have... House rules, we know that. Like, we know you don't run around the sanctuary going crazy during worship. But last service, there was a woman who during a time of silence, she shouted out, He is worthy! And it was before my sermon, and I could feel it in the room, like everyone knew it. Someone has to say it. But the worship leader, it wasn't their job to say it. It was our job. And there's going to be times where someone else's breakthrough, hear me church, someone else's breakthrough is in your mouth. And when you lift your voice, they're going to get set free because they don't know how to do it yet, but they sat next to you, and because you lifted your voice and got outside of the bubble that the enemy wants to keep you in, the Lord delivered your brother and sister from the pit. And that's what set my brother free, and now he's going to, he's killing it. He's studying to be a pastor, possibly. It's like, come on. It's so good. You have authority. You have authority over the evil one, period. And so during worship, you have my permission And all of our permission from now on to hallel, yourself out. Just go for it. When you're in worship and you feel the presence of God moving, don't wait for me to shout first. You shout me first. Okay? When you feel the Lord moving in your life, like, express it. You're here. It's corporate worship. Okay. Um, Next word is yada. Can you say yada? Yada. It's like Yoda, but yada. Okay. Um, That means the extended hand and to throw out the hand. Everyone, do the yada with me. Yada. (laughs) Yada. Okay. Now, don't you think the enemy will want to make it like this? Don't shout because if you shout, everyone will think you're fooling yourself. And don't yada because if you yada, you just want everyone to see how holy you are. This has only existed for a few centuries, by the way. This insecurity with physically demonstrating our our praise. But it's real. The Lord calls us to yada because when we lift our hands... Activates it activates us in the spirit. It says, with extended with with extended hand to lift the hands, and it's the opposite of to bemoan and to wring your hands. So church, when you feel like I have nowhere to go, I'm wringing my hands. I'm broken. I'm defeated. Yada. (laughs) Come, uh, pastor says this all the time. Come with the opposite spirit. When the enemy says you're anxious. You come against him and you say, you're anxious and I'm in Christ. But I don't care what it is. We don't care what it is. You tell the enemy who he is and you remind the enemy of who you are. You're under the blood of Jesus. So yada, hallel. Let's keep going. Okay, there's like seven of them. I gotta keep going. Toda. Now, toda is an extension of the hand, an adoration, a vow, or acceptance. So rather than yada... Toda looks like this. And before I knew any of this, as a young kid growing up, and my mom and dad are, are heroes to me, period, uh, because they just, when I was a kid growing up, they taught me how to worship. But they didn't teach me, like, this is called yada. They just told me, like, you can do this. And looking at this now, I realize, in the times in my life where I felt like I wasn't good enough, and I felt like I failed God, which we've all been there a million times probably, The Lord is able to to touch you through the physical, that when you open your hands up and you do this, it's not saying, I had a great week this week, church, so I feel confident to to lift my hands. It's not about that. When you lift your hands like this, you're telling the Lord, God, I give you permission. I give you permission to have all of my being. Because like it says here... Adoration, acceptance, avowal. It is a declaration of saying, I accept you and you accept me. I belong to you. You belong to me. Again, I've said it a few times already, but I, I need to get this. You belong to Jesus. When he sees you, he doesn't see your sin. It's impossible. Because when he died on the cross, fam, every one of us died with him on the cross. All, that's why it was so hard. All of our sin... All of our brokenness, all of our shame was on him. He bore our burden, like all of it. And then he went to the cross and he killed our burden. And now he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. My yoke is easy. Take my yoke on you. But we have to receive that promise or else the enemy will give you a lie that God isn't pleased with you this week. You have no access to God until you get your act together. The truth is, you always have access to God Every moment of your life, the moment that you give your life to Jesus, it is finished. Can I get an amen to that? It's done. Or else Jesus' work on the cross wasn't enough. If his work is enough, which it is, there's nothing you can do to add to it, period. Nothing I can do. It is finished. And so when we come into worship, I would encourage you, when you're having that disconnected day or the disconnected month, I walked through depression recently where I was not feeling the things I wanted to feel, and I had to choose to express myself outwardly in a way that I didn't feel inwardly. But I knew that he loves it when I do that, and that it honors him, and that when I praise him, he kills my Goliaths. So I was like, I guess I got some Goliaths that are too big for me in my own name. I'm just going to start praising the Lord. And he set me free from it. It was months of that, by the way. I had to walk through this for months. It was a season. There's another lie that says, Your emotions have to dictate your worship. The idea that I feel like I love Jesus. I feel this song right now. I feel this moment. And because I feel it, I'm going to show how much I feel it to God by lifting my hands. And that's fair. That's wonderful. But there's a stronger way. There's a more pure way, I believe, that the Lord calls us to worship. Rather than going off of your emotions, let your emotions be submitted to the truth. Rather than submitting your response to your emotions, submit your response to the Word of God. And submit your response to Him to His love for you. Because it doesn't end, it doesn't stop, it never changes. He's not like a really good Friday God, and on Monday, He's not so good. He's an everyday God, He's an every minute God. He's a God who sees you when you're being stupid, not being stupid, and He looks at you and He's like, You're my favorite. Because He's ridiculous. That's why we boast in him. Romans made up gods. Greeks made up gods. You know, all these different people made up gods of their own, in their own image. But nobody can make God in in their image. God made him. God is not created. He always has been, always will be. And he made us to worship him, praise him. What time is it? Okay. I'm doing okay. Um, And so when we come, I want to encourage you, don't let your emotions hold the reins of your worship and your praise. But begin to take that journey of maturity. And I say that lightly because a lot of you in this room, I I should be sitting down listening to you teach me about all the things that God has taught you. I got a lot to learn. And so I'm not saying that you don't know the Lord. But what I am saying is that sometimes the enemy just takes a little tiny area of how we think about God and uses that little tiny area to manipulate a whole area of our life. And if we understand in our knower knower here that God loves us with an everlasting love, then why would we ever come into worship with our head down? He wants to look in your eyes. He doesn't want to look at the top of your head. He wants to see you. So lift your hands when you're having a rough week. Lift your hands when you feel like you're a jerk. (laughs) Lift your hands when you're fighting with your spouse and you barely got to church and Let the Lord ride in on your praise. Let him heal your marriage. Let him heal your heart. And let him make you just like him. Here's another word. We become like who we worship and who we praise. If we spend enough time praising God, you know what's going to happen? We're going to start acting like him because his ways will become our ways. How many of you have noticed that in your walk with the Lord by raise of hands? Who has seen God literally transform them, their personality? Yeah. I was a really quiet fourth grader who was very scared of women in general and didn't know how to talk to people. I'm married now, hallelujah, but like I was, and I mean, hallelujah, I, um, I was a very different person, and obviously I was young, so I had to grow up and stuff, but we're all growing up still. Who are we to say that I am the finished product, everything that God ever dreamed of? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like God loves you. But he also wants to make you more awesome. He wants to develop you. He wants to mature us so that we can be more fruitful. So keep it on going. Um, we just finished with Toda. See you later, buddy. Now we're going to go on to Shabbok. Can everyone say Shabbok? And that's to shout, to address in a loud tone, to command, to triumph. Oh, clap your hands, all peoples. Shabbok to God with the voice of joy. Can, you all say, okay, can we all do this? I didn't do this last service. Can we clap our hands, all ye peoples, and can we shout to God with a voice of what? Triumph, Triumph. joy, joyful triumph. So it's not like a, we won, oh, I'm dying, but it's a, we won, hallelujah, okay? So on the count of three, we're going to clap our hands, quiet clappers, it's okay, just quiet clap, or loud, and we're going to Shabbat the Lord. Here we go, one, two, three. but I threw in a little bit of the, what is that, the uh, yada. I couldn't help myself. I had to. You can combine them. That's what happens organically. It's not a science. It's how God designed our DNA, how he designed us in our mother's womb so we could access him through praise. So clapping's good. When we're at the end of a praise song, I want to encourage you. I'm not trying to get us to be programmed because we can all just learn how to clap and it's just fake. We're just clapping. I hate that so much. When I see everyone and they're looking like this. But it's really loud clapping. And I'm like, you guys don't want to clap right now. I just trained you really well. Like, dang it, you know? So that's why sometimes when I see us clapping and it feels like we're not really connecting, I'll I'll be like, let's just, let's do something else. Because the clapping isn't working. But clapping's good. I'm not an anti-clapper. Just when we finish that song and you feel the presence and the joy of the Lord. Or if you want to instigate the Lord to bring more joy. Because I love my instigators. You feel like the room's kind of feeling a little bit down, you know? My dad does this really well. You're in a hard moment. You're going through a hard moment in your family, and all of a sudden, one of your family members comes in. Good. Praise Jesus. And all of a sudden, the climate changes. The climate changes because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And when you bring authentic praise, not just like, I'm going to try to be like a black preacher I saw on YouTube, but like, I'm. <laughs> or Stephen Furtick, or whatever, but like you actually are accessing heaven. You know what I'm, I, by the way, Stephen Furtick's one of my heroes, I love him. I'm not putting him down. He, he's rocked my world. Bill Johnson as well, one of my favorites. Um, and they're very different kinds of people. But what I'm trying to say to you guys is that these different things are a part of us accessing the joy of the Lord, his, the fruits of the spirit. If we come into church, guys, and we're waiting for the worship team to inspire us, we're doing it the wrong way. We gotta come in like, I don't care if the worship team is playing Mary Had a Little Lamb six times. I'm going to yada. I'm going to halal. I'm going to praise God because this church is my family. And I didn't come here to see my family leave the same way. If I'm going to come to church, I'm going to leave this church knowing that I impacted my family to be better and to grow. Amen? And so we don't wait for the right song. We don't wait for the second, third, whatever Americanized idea we have about worship. But we dive into the goodness of God at 9 in the morning sometimes, 9.30 in the morning, and we just get messy, and we give them access, and then we trust our leadership, Pastor Josh, and other leaders like myself, to hopefully steward what God has been doing in the room. So rather than emotionally stirring you up to get you to sing, we can go, wow, Lord, you are moving through your people, through your body this morning, through shouts of praise, or you're moving through the lifting of hands, and then we can recognize that, and we can go, "Let's, let's go more into that. Like, let's, let's honor what the Lord's doing. Does that make sense? So it's less about contrived spirituality, and it's more about genuine spirituality that, that comes from the inner man, the inner woman, but then manifests in the physical. Okay. Um, two more. No, I'm wrong. Three more. Um, Barak. Barak is when you kneel down. This is the only form of praise where you kneel. If you've never had the opportunity to kneel before the Lord, you're missing out. I know some of us just saying this. Some of us have bad knees. And so if you have bad knees, it's okay. Find a way to make, make yourself in an a kneeling atmosphere, in an a kneeling attitude of worship and praise. But if you've never had the chance, especially corporately, to come before the Lord with your family in Christ and get on your knees, there is, there is something so powerful about, basically what you're saying is, I can be on my knees and he is on his feet for me. I can be small and I can exalt him. And even when I'm in my weakest position, as I'm making myself low, it's not that I'm not important anymore or that God doesn't love me anymore, but it's that I don't even need to fight my own battles. He fights them for me. And that's from the word of God. Our God is a mighty warrior. He goes and fights our battles and stirs himself up in our praise. So good, right? It's like, thank you God for the Bible. (laughs) And so there will be times, Lord willing, um, here, if it feels appropriate, where we're going to do that, or I'll invite you. And most likely, not everyone will feel comfortable to do that because it's not culturally the usual thing. Our culture is very, we're very conservative in the sense that we like to not bug anybody around us, you know? Where other cultures are loud. Like, I come from a family of nine kids, so we're loud and crazy. We're not very American sometimes. I guess Americans are known to be loud, but you know what I mean. We're loud at sports games. We're not loud in church, typically. But um, what I'm trying to say to you, I'm sorry for the tangent, um, is that what if we got outside of our personalities and began to just say, Lord, if you told me I should do this, I'm gonna honor you today because I I feel unable to fight my battles and I need you to fight for me. So I know that this person may not understand what I'm doing, but I trust you to explain it to them because your Holy Spirit is most likely, if they follow you, your Holy Spirit's in them too. And so I want to release you um, with all these expressions. You can express these on a regular basis in your home life, in your everyday life, but also here. Please do it here. I would love for this to be a training ground for how to just go deeper with the Lord. Amen? Where it's not just like, we got through the three songs, but wow, we really engaged with the Lord. So the next one is Zamar. Basically what that is, is uh, to pluck the strings of an instrument, to sing, to praise, Um, It's a musical word which is associated with joyful expressions of music. So just imagine a bunch of Scottish folkians running around in the the Scottish moors dancing and playing their instruments. Or Hebrews, you know, the Jewish, like running around and doing their dance. And the instruments are playing. Instruments are are godly. Amen? I love drums. Thank God for drums, you know? The instruments are good. And they they help release us into greater freedom because rhythm and melody and all these things literally activate things inside of us to where, I know you've been there. You're that quiet person. You're just standing there like this, right? And all of a sudden, the drummer's like, and you just... Three weeks later, four weeks later, you've been in church for about a year and a half. (laughs) You know what I mean, though? Low key. If you didn't notice, if you came in late, you didn't see it. But today, I I was on the front row, and I purposely tried to Forget the fact that I'm on staff here and just pretend that I was coming here for the first time. And I asked the Lord to teach me how to just worship him without being afraid of anybody's opinions. And so there were some quiet moments where there was this really loud, obnoxious guy going, praise him. That was me. Um, And that's because I want to release you to be that guy, to be that girl, where you're not waiting for the worship leader to always. It's kind of like we want you to, to have a full grammar, vocabulary with the Lord. We don't want you to wait for us to spoon feed you. Now you can shout. Now you can dance. Now you can say this. You know what I mean? It's like, that's great to start because we're all still waking up in the morning and we're like, what time is it? But after about a few minutes, like, you're ready. Worship. Do you feel me on that? So I know it's different than our usual culture at Granite Creek, and I respect that. And I'm not trying to change everything tomorrow. But what if we began to slowly just... Yeah, yeah. All right, last one. That word was Zamar. It may be Zamar, but I think it's Zamar. Z A M A R. And the final word on praise is Tahila, Not tequila, Tahila. Thank you, Lord. Um, and Tahila, I'm biased now. This is my favorite word. And I will tell you, Pastor Josh was very right. I have six pages of notes, I'm on page one and a half. So if you want to hear more about the side of worship, I wanna encourage you to come tonight to our night service. We call it Presence Night because we wanna give you, our church family, an opportunity to just rest, to receive and to commune in a, in a not a deeper way, but in a different way maybe. Because in these morning services, it's very, we have a specific time frame which we do for the night, but the difference is that sometimes we won't do a sermon, we'll just pray for each other. Sometimes if we notice that there's someone really hurting, We'll just, we'll stop what we're doing to, to meet that need, if that makes sense. Or we'll go longer in ministry, we'll lay hands on people and pray for the Lord to fill them with the gifts of the Spirit. And we do that on mornings from, on occasion, but every Sunday we're kind of going after, just trying to empower, equip, and give you a moment to just be with the Lord. Does that make sense? So I w- it's, it's all ages. We had 50 people last week almost. It was the biggest we've ever had. And Pastor Josh was there, which is, I think, why? Because he's awesome and because people could feel that, he, that we believe in what the night service is. But I want to invite you personally, too. It's going to be great tonight, and I'd love to have you there. Um, but here's the last word on praise. Um, and, Band, you can start coming up. It's called Tahila, And Tahila is my favorite. It's, de- it's derived from the word halal. So remember the very first word, halal, that talked about giving that boasting shout, that boasting shout about who God is? It continues on to say, to sing or to laud, perceive to involve music, especially singing, hymns of the Spirit. That's what I want you to grab with me. Hymns of the Spirit or praise. And if you get this, like, it took me a long time to get this, but if you get this, I promise you it will change the way you worship for the rest of your life. Are you ready? Okay. Thank you for staying with me, by the way. I know I've been talking for a little while. Um, so I was standing back where Pastor Larry is. Almost exactly in that seat, which is kind of funny that you're sitting there right now. Um, but I was not a member of Granite Creek, and I was not married yet to Marina. But we had come to a conference that we were hosting here, and the group of people that came understood praise. It was very, it was, a lot of us were there, but there were a lot of people from other environments, and it was a really beautiful moment. But people started to, to heal, and what that means is they began to pray spontaneously. It wasn't a written song on the screen, written by you know, Hillsong or Jesus Culture or Matt Redmond. But it was a song that came from the inner man, the inner woman, and that bursted out from within them. Sometimes manifesting loud like a halal, and sometimes manifesting like a whisper. And what began to happen is the room, it was crazy, the room all began to sing their own song, literally, and it sounded like one instrument. It changed my whole life. That's why I'm here today. It's the truth. I'm not just trying to make you feel impressed with this church. Like, the reason that Marina and I came here is because we had an authentic encounter with the body of Christ and God operating. And we thought, we've done other, we've done services for a long time. We're done with that. Like, I don't want to see what man can do. I want to see what God can do when men and women choose to make him Lord. And choose to really believe what his word says. And, and that's the church you're in, honestly. And so people started to sing in the spirit. That's what it's called, singing in the spirit. And I almost fell over. It was like crazy. And at that point, God marked my life with this fire, and it hasn't gone away. And Marina got it even worse. <laughs> there she is. And uh, we're wrecked. We, we want to see, see the Lord's passion, his, his love, his presence invade all the earth. And I bet you're on the same page. Yeah. That's our heart. So if you're here, I can tell you confidently, welcome to the team. We're a praise and team. And uh, I'll share one more thing on, on worship, just because if you can't come tonight, I don't want to jip you, because this is a really awesome truth. Um, but if you do come tonight, we're going to talk a lot about what worship looks like compared to what praise looks like. Bless you. Bless you. No, you're good. This family. Um, so worship. This, this totally rocked my world. I just feel God's love right now in this place. Do you feel it? (sighs) I just pray that we would get used to expecting that because the team here, when we came on staff here, like the team here does a really good job of stewarding that. And if we came in here every Sunday and we expected God to just wreck us with his love, just lavish his love on us, who knows what's gonna happen? I mean, marriage is restored families turned around like, I just declare it in, your, in Jesus' name, in his name, everybody needs to be healed. You are healed in Jesus' name. We just declare it over you. His love's here. And um, he says in the word in John that all true worshipers must worship God in what? In spirit and in, and in truth. And this is what true worship looks like to our king, to our Lord. Unity looks like true worship. We live in such a society where it's all about me, right? I wanna pick my favorite church, I wanna go to the right place for me and for my family, which is better than just me. But the Lord designed us to learn how to love our differences. It's kinda like this, church is not a business, church is a family. You don't walk into a restaurant and have the, the cook at the restaurant come to you at your table and say, come back to the back with me and help me peel some potatoes. You go to the restaurant because you want the cook to make the food for you because you're there to enjoy what they offer, right? That's why you pay money. But imagine being in a family and you walk up to the family table at dinner time. you sit down, you look at the food and you're like, nah, I don't want that. I'm not coming back to this place. And you walk out the door. But yet so often when church becomes a business and we visit a church to see what we can get and we go, oh, this isn't my style, this isn't my vibe, this person offended me, the potatoes were too raw. (laughs) They asked me to actually do something. Ah. All of a sudden, we just want to get up and find a new business to attend, a new place to, we can consume. But it's the, it's the broken way. The Lord's way is family, what our pastor said this morning. And family serves each other. Family worships together. And this is what worship looks like to the Lord, that we come in one accord, and we choose to set aside our differences and all of our theological opinions and focus on the main things and choose to get unified and say, we're going to exalt Jesus today. Are you with me on that? Is that fair? Okay. And then at that point, this is where it gets really good. In the Old Testament, the word for worship was to lay prostrate with your face toward the ground. Imagine if you came into service on a Sunday morning and the worship leader, like at a mega church, said, good morning, church, right? And, and he said, let's worship the Lord. And then he did this. That's how, old, old Testament worship. That's how they worshiped for years, literally. The Old Testament reality was, how could God want to be with us? How could we ever be with Almighty God who made the heavens and the earth? Like, we're unworthy. We're unworthy, right? That was the battle they had to fight. And the Lord gave them a way to be able to connect with him even in their limited perspective because Jesus had not yet died on the cross in time. But in the New Testament, because of what Jesus did on the cross, now when we worship, God doesn't see our sin. He doesn't see our brokenness. He doesn't see our failures. He sees his son Who died as you and me on the cross, period. He who bore our sins on the cross has given us himself. We have died. pastor has said this many times. Your old self is dead. Stop resurrecting it. Put on the new man, and the new man's name is Jesus, and he wants to change the things that are broken because he's not a broken God, and this is what Jesus wants from you in worship, what he wants from us, and I can't say this Greek word very well Proskinio, I think but the two parts of the word mean towards so that you're facing towards and the second part of the word means to kiss to kiss the Lord wants so much to be in a relationship with you to where you can look him in the eyes and you can look you in the eyes and you can see him face to face that's what we're gonna have in heaven No more hiding, no more fear of being rejected. But we can have heaven on earth if we choose to let his ways be our ways, amen? If we let go of all of our excuses and we start to enter into his way of thinking, and we choose to let go of all of the things we've experienced in church life, and it's always the same, but it's not, he's doing a new thing. And so I wanna encourage you today, and I'm pretty much done now. um, The Lord desires you more than you know. He desperately wants you. He doesn't just want you to do stuff for him. He wants to be with you. Just like a husband doesn't marry a wife to make food for him. That's a great thing that people can cook, men and women alike. But shame on me if I married Marina for her cooking. (laughs) I got Chipotle for that. Um, (laughs) The reality is, the reality of it is, family, the Lord did not marry you for your service. He married you for your heart. He married you because he wants you. And if you had nothing to offer him, he'd still want you. That's why we know that people who feel like they have nothing to offer belong. That's why they come to church so much because the Lord is a father to the fatherless, to the orphan, to the hurting one, to the neglected, to the forsaken, to the widow, to the one who has been cast out by society. He comes, he says, I'll be your father. But he's still our father too, even if we're doing pretty decent and we're in middle-class America. He wants that intimate relationship with us. And so I want to invite us to stand today. Um, if you would stand up with me right now. And let me see. It's 12, 20. Okay. I want us to just take, if you would, if you would trust me with this, and thank you for your time. I'm so, I'm so honored to get to share anything today. But if you would give me 10 minutes, and then we're going to officially release And if God's doing crazy, beautiful things, we'll let that continue, but we'll officially release the service so that you can go eat, maybe have Chipotle. Um, But what I want to do right now is not just give you all this information and then have you go home and think, well, that was cool, but I want to give you a chance to respond to the Lord and to make a decision to not just incorporate praise and worship into your life, but to say, I'm going to become praise and worship unto the Lord. I don't come to church to praise. I come to church with my family to become praise. I am not a broken person who sometimes does good things. I am a child of the living God who is, a, who is formed to bring out his praise, who is formed to declare his works through my life. That's who you are. And so if you feel that burning in you and you're like, today's the day I need to commit my life to a lifestyle of praise and worship, I want to invite you to do something that may feel a little bit awkward. We don't do it all the time here, I promise, but it feels appropriate for today. I want to invite you, if that's you, to come forward to the altar area as a sign of saying, I'm all in. I want to give my life to praise and worship. Come on forward if that's you right now. Thank you, Lord. If you're saying, God, I want to become a, a true person who praises you with all that is in me, that worships you, I want you to teach me how to do that. And if you're in the seats right now and you're like, that's a little bit scary for me because I get that. If you feel comfortable and you, and you want to make a declaration to the Lord, I would invite you just to lift your hands and say, God, this is my way of saying, I'm all in. Like, I'm all in. I'm surrendering. We're praising you, Lord. We're surrendering to you. We, we admit you're the Lord. We're not. We come in your name, God. And let's just begin to lift up praise right now. In your own way, begin to lift your voice and praise the Lord. We boast in you, God. We glorify who you are. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Alpha and omega. Yeah, as the Lord stirs in you, just begin to glorify him. Boast in who he has been in your life. Lord, we are a people of praise. We are a people of worship. We are a people that are not dictated by our emotions. But we honor your leadership, Holy Spirit. We honor that you are the Lord, and we are not, but we are your sons and daughters. Yeah, continue. Just lift up your voice right now. Begin. If you want to shout, you shout. If you want to boast, you boast. Just begin to lift up your voice. Lord, we are a people that will serve you from the inside out. We will boast in you, Lord, and not be ashamed. Yes, Lord. As we sing this song, go ahead. Just connect with the Lord as we sing this song together. And we declare every chain is broken. Every chain is broken. Every Goliath has to come down. Every stronghold has to bow down to the name of Jesus. Period. Because He is your Lord. He is our Lord. So as we sing right now, we declare it is finished right now. Thank you, Lord.